0: to opera off stage i'm jesse and i'm michelle and today we're gonna talk about imposter syndrome which (laughs) i don't know that anyone inside of our field has not had some experience with imposter syndrome
1: it's it's just part of the musician experience i'm convinced at this point
0: (laughs) yeah but i mean it's it's it happens in all fields it's not just I think this is the daily battle now that we live in a world that's just surrounded with social media. I talk about it basically on the daily with people, but I, I'm i really glad that social media, as far as I'm aware, wasn't really popular until I was in like eighth grade, freshman year of high school. Because I can't imagine middle school me dealing with social media. Yeah. It would not have gone well.
1: We as humans are not like made to consume as much content as... There is, like, so readily available on our phones, like, just a little swipe of your fingertip. It's pretty crazy. And we're definitely not supposed to know or have as much access to as many people as we do now. Oh. You can see what people in Australia are doing from, like, California sitting on your couch. Like, that's just not supposed to happen, really. (laughs) sorry Australia is like the most random example but you know what I mean
0: poor Amy in our discord is like what did I do what did I do to you
1: are all of our Australian (laughs)
0: what what did I do (laughs) I
1: should not have access to you but you know what I mean like it's
0: (laughs) Amy never stop sending me pictures of cockatiels destroying Australia (laughs) don't ever stop but It's true. We are just overwhelmed. And it's easier than ever before to compare yourself to others. And I think that plays a lot into how much even more prevalent now imposter syndrome is. But before we jump full on into that, I want to say we were going to open this episode talking about Russia and Ukraine and the effect on musicians and, you know, but it is such a large and heavy topic that we have decided that it is going to be its own episode this coming week so that we have time to fully flesh out our research and to really talk about um, how it's affecting the musical world. So hold on for that. We're not ignoring it. We will come back to it.
1: I'm excited to do that episode. We got some juicy stuff.
0: We've got so much and we've got maybe one of the stranger things I've ever had to say about Ed and a Trepko in it, uh, but we'll save that. For now, let's jump into what exactly is imposter syndrome, because maybe there are some of you out there who haven't experienced it or have never used this term for it. So imposter syndrome was first described by psychologists Suzanne Imes and Pauline Rose Clance in the 1970s. And at the time, it was really considered something that primarily affected women. But what imposter syndrome is, is that it's a phenomenon among high achievers who are not able to internalize and accept their success. So, a lot of times they consider their successes to be the results of luck or, you know, just chance rather than ability. And it leads to this feeling that eventually they're going to be figured out for who they are, um, which is a fraud. And even though this isn't something that is formally recognized in the DSM as like a diagnosis, psychologists and a lot of other healthcare professionals acknowledge like this very real form, this r- very real. Uh, form of doubt and that imposter syndrome is usually a part of or, you know, is a symptom of uh, anxiety and depression. But it really it's it's kind of interesting how it all began when they started to study it. And there's a reason that the psychologists who, you know, really identified this and put words to it were women, because it was something that was specifically prevalent at that time among women entering the workforce and reaching the upper levels of workforces.
1: Wow, I'm so excited about this episode (laughs) because it's so funny. Like, I think even just my general concept of imposter syndrome is even so much more clear now. Just reading that, I'm just going to read that little segment that you read one more time. Imposter, the imposter phenomenon occurs among high achievers who are unable to internalize and accept their success that's such a just like great way to put it but also like it's such a motivating way to put it like first of all there is success being had you are a high achiever the problem doesn't lie with, with the fact that you're just like unsuccessful or a fraud but more so just like your own ability to kind of like let yourself have that success which is something that you can like work on versus like actually being a fraud and like sucking you know what i mean
0: yeah yeah, no, it's it's a perception yes. thing. It's how we frame our own successes in our mind. Like I said, this is something that appears across fields and across genders, even though I mentioned earlier that it, at the beginning they believed that it primarily affected women. So let's talk about how it affects musicians. So we threw up some polls on our Instagram and we got some interesting results.
1: Yeah, the first question we asked was, just point blank, have you ever struggled with imposter syndrome as... A musician, and, uh, <laughs> if you couldn't already take a wild guess as to how this was going to turn out, 95% of our audience voted yes, and a small 5% voted no. Which, I guess I was, all, like, half of me was expecting 100% yes and 0% no, so kudos to the 5% who do not struggle with imposter syndrome. Please teach me your ways. Um,
0: I, I'm gonna, Actually, I'm looking through our answers, and I'm not gonna, you know, I, <laughs> hilariously, I think actually,
1: it probably is closer Sorry, to. Let me. Double check. Literally, one of them is my stepmom, so I would hope that she would not. Yeah,
0: I think actually, your your stepmom is the only person who. Or no. Mom. Oh yeah, there are only there are only a couple who voted no. Um And one of them's your stepmom and one's my boyfriend's mom. Oh, my
1: God. So it's literally 100% yes, basically. It's like 99% yes. Uh, yeah, there's,
0: there's one musician. There's one musician who said no and congratulations to you. But the others two
1: are... They have not struggled with <laughs> imposter syndrome. That's maybe a funnier result. Because they're result. not a musician.
0: <laughs> <laughs> because they're not musicians and they're doing fine. Um Love it. <laughs> They have not struggled with imposter syndrome as a musician because they do, in (laughs) fact, not music.
1: Oh, incredible.
0: The results are staggering. (laughs) Um (laughs) But no,
1: I mean, I feel like that's pretty, I mean, it's pretty broad, right? Have you ever struggled? I think everyone has struggled with imposter syndrome at some point. And we followed that up for a little bit more clarification with the next question, which was kind of a sliding scale of I struggle with imposter syndrome often, sometimes, rarely, or never. 67% of people voted often, 27% for sometimes, 4% for rarely, and 2% for never.
0: Yeah, that's kind of what I expected, to be honest. It's a little, it's honestly maybe a little worse than I
1: expected. I think I thought sometimes would be at a higher percentage than 27 versus the 67% for often. But yeah, I also would have thought that rarely would have been a higher percentage than 4% as well. But apparently this is a, if this is something you struggle with, which many of us, which 90, like 9% of us do, you are not alone. (laughs) (laughs) You are not alone at all.
0: Our next question was, you know, kind of I think maybe the more important reality of this, which is has imposter syndrome ever held you back from an opportunity? And 82% of you said yes and 18% said no. And that that's the rough part of imposter syndrome isn't just not being able to feel confident in your own abilities, but is that we constantly decide we're not ready for something or, you know, we'll come back to it or you know, like Well, yeah, I'll apply for this program maybe after I do this one because I just don't trust, you know, and we have this idea that like, oh, if they see this video, they'll never invite me to audition ever. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That was me sending off an application actually just the other day (laughs) with old tapes. But it's true. And I still sent them, though, because um, I have nothing to lose. (laughs) But, But it's hard. And it definitely does like play out in our minds like, oh, I'm not deserving of this yet. I'm not ready for this yet. Even though so many of us have like advanced qualifications. Oh,
1: absolutely. And I was very interested to ask this because I think just saying, oh, yeah, like 98% of musicians struggle with imposter syndrome doesn't really mean a whole lot. Like I wanted to know, like, does this actually play out in your ability and your confidence to like go out and get opportunities? And I am surprised that it's 82% yes, and only eighteen percent know. Th- that does make me a little sad. But I guess the the nice thing is, is like, yeah, it's not like a small group of people are like struggling with this. This is something that's like across the board. Which maybe actually like is even worse. And definitely says something about our industry. But I don't know. I'm interested. Like, Jesse, let's get a little personal. Like, are there examples of of <laughs> imposter syndrome like holding you back, or is that something that you deal with?
0: Yeah. Definitely, definitely did. Because, like, I, first of all, I very much went through what I think is, like, a super common thing for people, which is the uh the gifted kid to burnout pipeline. <laughs> <laughs> um, And nobody cares what I accomplished or whatever in high school. But, like, needless to say, I did a bunch of stuff all at once. And I was pretty good at it. But the problem with that kind of thing is that it puts a real emphasis on, like, talent and sheer ability over hard work and diligence and effort, you combine that with the fact that I wasn't like the musical kid in high school. I was just kind of a nerd. Um, I did musical theater and things, but I wasn't like the musician in my grade. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there were the kids everyone kind of expected to do music. And so when I got into college and I was doing music with all these people who to me were that, like constantly in my head, I thought I felt like I was playing the game of catch up and it massively affected my self-confidence um it made me feel like you know i didn't belong and i think the other thing about being in music is there's also this concept of like the it factor that is just a nonsense term Mm -hmm. (laughs) the it factor yes yeah And like, when you don't have confidence, there's no chance of you having the it factor because really the it factor is confidence. It's the, it's not fearing for the person on stage. It's the person who's on stage giving whatever performance they want to because they like it. Like that's, there's your big hint. That's what the it factor is, is self-confidence and confidence in your performance. Because no matter how much I disagree with what you do on stage, if you do it confidently, I'll appreciate it in a way I couldn't if you were mm-hmm. scared there you go but you can't have that when you're scared you can't have that when you don't think you have the it factor and you can't do that when you don't know or don't believe you have the skills so I think like it that's why like more towards the end of my undergrad and like getting into grad school was a huge thing for me like it took me having a different school tell me like we want you for me to believe that I could do music sure and so you know imposter syndrome huge and like this feeling of like how much does everyone else have to practice versus how much do I have to practice you know all of it just like really wrecked me and it it took until I got out of grad school and everything for me to just sit back and be like I can be an artist in whatever fashion I Mm -hmm. want um and in fact that is the skill set I need to have as opposed to trying to please this strange audience in my head Mm -hmm. yeah but what about you (laughs) how has imposter syndrome affected you because i would say maybe you know you did do a lot of musical theater and stuff in high school were you more on that music track
1: oh yeah i was the music kid
0: (laughs) 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 um for
1: sure it's so funny like when it comes to imposter syndrome i like i i am the fraud (laughs) Like it is me i am the imposter that's like definitely something that i struggle with and i think the way that i have been able to overcome it is by like very diligent over preparation which is nice but the flip side of that is anytime that I feel that I am unprepared on music or something is changed super last minute or they're like oh can you like sight read this for this church service or something I just like freaking lose it because I'm like I am not actually a musician I can't figure this out like help
0: (laughs) i like literally just shut down (laughs) can i say this every time i see sex tuplets written out i'm like i can't do anything with this yeah
1: exactly (laughs) and it's so funny because i feel like even during covid when i wasn't like (coughs) really practicing as much as i should have like the first time i sat down with like another hard aria or piece of music i was like i don't think i actually know anything (laughs) i don't think i know rhythm at all i was like how do i count (laughs) four beats i don't know (laughs) (laughs) and it's just so funny but this is definitely something that I've struggled with because I think like I don't know I think it kind of comes down to like foundation I didn't know how to read music going into undergrad I've always kind of felt like some of my skills in that area was like sight reading have been like something that I could always just kind of work to improve and so I think a lot of it has stemmed from that where I'm just like I am not the smartest musician in the room i maybe not the like the most musical musician in the room and so i can just easily beat myself down but then like there are moments where i've told myself that i'm bad at something and then i am in this position where i'm forced to do it whatever it may be and then i'm like wait that went well why did i just assume that i was going to be bad at this thing when i've never given myself the opportunity to like even be bad you know what i mean I think that's the that's the really tricky thing of imposter syndrome is it keeps you in this state in this anxious state of being fearful of doing different things. And sometimes like even just doing the thing and being bad is a step towards becoming good, you know, and it's like if you never are bad at something, you can never be good at something. And sometimes you just have to be bad at things before you can be good. And that's a huge part of music because no one freaking comes out of the womb jesse being able to count sex tuplets, and that's totally fine you have to be bad before yeah. you can be
0: good very very true it's you know it's the conundrum of like you know if a five-year-old draws something bad Like, we all applaud them anyway because they're five and they're learning. Mm -hmm. But if you or I draw something bad that looks like a five-year-old druid, even if it's because we're trying a new style or a new technique or whatever, like, we feel shame. You lose that ability because people judge you. And so we're all taught not to put anything less out than a perfect product, and that massively affects our ability to ask for help and to fail successfully, which is you know, failing in places where you're supposed to fail, like occasionally in class or in lesson or in studio. And that brings us to our next big point, which is like, why are musicians so prone to experiencing imposter syndrome? Why are we all going through it? And part of this is just that we are a part of an immensely subjective field. So, you know, you could show up to one lesson with one teacher and they'd be like, this is amazing, I love what you've done here. And you could go to another teacher and they'd be like, why would you ever do it this way? And that means that there are a lot of, like, minor issues with, like, there's no real marker for certain forms of progress. A lot of stuff isn't linear, especially with our progress. Our voices are constantly changing. Um, You know, it's not as easy for us to look at the progress on, say, like an Aria and be like, okay, well, this has definitely gotten better. It's different. And we just don't know always if that's going to be better. Mm -hmm. Um, And also our skill sets are all very individualistic. You know, it's not the same thing for Michelle and I to sing the same aria, even though we're not super different of voice type. But the fact is that Michelle's, you know, pluses and minuses in her voice and my pluses and minuses in my voice aren't the same. So the way we navigate passages will be completely different. And our takes may be equally good, but in different ways. Mm -hmm. And that's hard to feel confident in as a musician because we just we want to be the one that people like. Yeah. Our careers depend on being the one that people like. And so it's very hard to sit there and not feel like the grass is always greener on the other side, to not appreciate the things that are good and unique about our voices that are different from the people we admire. Mm -hmm. And on that note, like for a lot of singers and a lot of instrumentalists, some abilities are genetic or physical, you know, Um, having a large range or a small range, a big voice, a small voice, an agile voice or a heavier voice. Or, you know, like a pianist having smaller large hands, uh, you know, there are certain things about us that we cannot change. And that's very difficult to deal with because it- it's not like that in a lot of other fields. So we just kind of have to learn to work with what we've got. And that can be mentally difficult to wrestle with.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think another reason why musicians are so prone to experiencing posture syndrome is like obviously it's a super subjective field, but also comparison is so deeply ingrained in our industry and especially our education, and the competition is wild. I mean, we talk a lot about like, you know, there's an opportunity for everyone, but we would be lying if we didn't say the competition is absolutely bonkers. And, you know, this negative competition is very easily taken out of control in the education system. I think studio classes can absolutely be the death of certain musicians. I think a lot of experiences totally come down to the attitude of, your teachers and really honestly like the way you feel about music and the type of musician that you exit out of grad school or out of undergrad is like a lot of that is influenced on how your teachers treat you and how your teachers motivate you and we all know teachers that love to pit students against each other to try and give them some sort of concept of like the real world being competitive and it really does so much more harm than any sort of good and yeah I think the thing that's hard with things like a studio class is like not only are there no like real concrete markers of progress, there's also no timeline for progress. Sometimes like I remember going and like in undergrad, I had the hardest, hardest, hardest time ever just like being able to sing like a G like right above the staff. That was like the thing that I worked on for all four years of my undergrad experience And it really took me all four years to like finally, I remember my senior year, spring semester was when I finally felt like I could sing a G, like full voice confidently, like I would need to in like a production in an opera. And that was something that took me like four years to like really get into my body and figure out what the heck I was doing with my voice. Obviously, not everything in your technique is going to take you four years to figure out. But like, I remember going back and thinking, there are other sopranos heck there are even other mezzos can that can sing like a super solid g like why can't why hasn't taken me literal years to figure this out and sometimes honestly that's just the way sometimes like your mark is something that somebody else is just is easy for them and sometimes it takes you a month to learn and i think just fully accepting the fact that there's no timeline for progress either and that your body just needs time to like, learn this really random skill that is suddenly crucial for your body to just randomly be able to produce on command. Like, you have to give yourself so much grace.
0: And that's just the whole thing. Is like, we're just constantly comparing ourselves to ourselves and to others. And I feel like a lot of times, even when we're doing it, you know, it's not just like, oh, have I improved? Am I, am I better than I was yesterday? A lot of time, it's like, if I can't do this, why can't, you know, how am I supposed to do that? if I can't catch up with these people, how am I supposed to ever be in this industry? Like, it's never just comparison. It's comparison with the weight of the world on your shoulders. Mm -hmm. And the other part of that is, like, as we become more successful, like, as we work our way up and we, you know, do or do not internalize that success, um, you're going to get surrounded by people who are even better than the people you were with before. So when you go from high school to college to grad school to professional programs like you're going to keep meeting more and more people who have you know really impressive skill sets and a lot of times that can lead to a feeling of like do I belong here like am I just did I get here by chance look at all these really impressive people and then especially if you don't start getting into that next level I mean that kind of stuff just absolutely weighs on you you wonder like have I reached the end of the road for me in this field and that's just monstrous, monstrously rough, especially, you know, as much as we talked about comparison and critique, the hard thing about audition season is you don't get critique. So you just let your mind run wild with what you could have done wrong. Chose the wrong arias, did the pronunciation incorrectly, uh, not enough musicality, too much musicality, uh, didn't look right, wasn't tall enough, wasn't short enough. You know, we let our minds just take over whatever could have gone wrong, why we got rejected.
1: Yeah, audition season could be so rough. I mean countless rejections will weigh on even the most resilient person and I just feel like that has so much to do with imposter syndrome of just doing countless auditions getting way more rejections than you know even callbacks and just being like am I just a fraud and now that I've sent off these tapes everybody's like ew when really it's like it's the furthest thing from that but Man, really walking yourself out of the mental gymnastics that audition season brings.
0: And then you put that up against like the highlight reel that is social media. You know, people aren't posting. I mean, some people are. And I really appreciate the people who do. um, But most people aren't posting their rejections. You know, they're posting the programs they got into. You don't have to see that they applied to 20 programs. You just see that they got into one. And that's really hard to watch. You know, you're watching people get jobs and opportunities and it can just feel like I'm the only person not making progress.
1: I saw the most incredible, mind-blowing, award-winning post the other day and I will repost it if I can find it. But it was this one singer who literally posted their stats from their audition season and it was like, I'm just going to make up a number, but it was something along the lines of like 26 applications sent like i don't know five auditions granted like one contract sense and it's it was like seeing that genuinely i gasped i was like why isn't this more of a thing my next audition season i will be doing this because that is it was the like most incredible breath of fresh air because i think it yeah. is the high reel you see like ooh, this person made it into the yada yada district and the Met competition ooh but then you see that they like didn't get into a YAP program or like you know what I mean like there's all situations under the sun going on and we only get to see the successes and not the countless freaking applications on YAP tracker and we just need so much more of that transparency in our field
0: we really do and it's just a nice little reality check that like a lot of us are going through that and I want to like get into a little bit about what I was talking about earlier about you know The concept that maybe women experience this more frequently. Like I said, this has been debunked a little bit, but there are reasons why we still do see higher reports of women being affected by imposter syndrome. Um, In the artistic fields, it's partially because women are just more likely to pursue artistic fields, and therefore there is a lot of increased competition amongst women. You know, we know this. We've seen the stats on people applying to opera programs. You know, the Sopranos and Mezzos far outweigh you know tenors baritones, spaces and so you you have just more comparison and more ability to compare against others but i would also say that like there is something about especially in america the socialization of women the concept of like especially if you grew up in a place that's primarily christian the idea of the woman as the helper the idea of the woman as humble and a lot of humility and everything and those are good attributes to have i'm not knocking humility but i'm saying that i think sometimes when you put people in who are you know socialized to to let someone else take the lead and you put them in a room with a bunch of very intense personalities which is every room i've walked into with musicians (laughs) that people with more confidence are going to overtake the conversation. And a lot of times those people are men. (laughs) I have watched a lot of men be confidently wrong. (laughs) And here's the thing. That's a good attribute to have. Because being confidently wrong is kind of what I was saying earlier about failing successfully. When you are confidently wrong, you can be corrected. When you are confidently wrong, you can become better. When you are quietly wrong, (laughs) nobody will tell you. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, this actually leads to a very funny conversation that Michelle and I had about something.
1: You guys want to talk about men that- and their overconfidence? Let me just <laughs> tell you, I was playing a trivia game <laughs> with my sweet boyfriend um, and <laughs> he's so competitive. So I feel like he was just blinded by just wanting to win this game. And it was a trivia game, true or false, really simple facts. And one of them was all cats have blue eyes, true or false. And I was like, obviously, like, I, at my first gut instinct was like, oh, well, isn't there something about like, all babies being born with blue eyes at some point? And then they like, establish their color, like later on. I was like, maybe it's like that. Like, maybe that's what they're getting at. And my boyfriend just goes, there are no cats with blue eyes false (laughs) none and i was like wait what of course there are and he's like i've never seen one nope no blue cat no blue blue cats wow blue-eyed cats and i lost it and i was like that doesn't even make sense of course there are cats with blue eyes
0: and hilariously i had just been to a cat cafe so i had literally like the day after this conversation i sent michelle a picture of a cat with blue eyes because it was cute Anyway, the point of all of that being, it is, it is to some degree, that lack of confidence that leads people. Um, and maybe, well, let me put it this way. Sometimes it is the disparity in confidence. And gendered or ungendered in that spectrum, a hyper-confident person with an unconfident person will create massive imbalances in classrooms. And a lot of times in music, there are people with a lot more experience than you in some area or another. Mm-hmm. So you are constantly walking into rooms where you may be the most confident or the least confident person. And that's a really hard thing to deal with. Absolutely. You know, we had a group of people in our in our college who came out of one of the school systems, like men and women and non-binary people who came out of this school system with like incredible sight reading skills that the rest of us did not have. Yeah. Yeah. So sitting in a classroom with them while they're sitting there doing that soul fetch thing with their hands while you're just trying to figure out what the soul fetch is in in the first place or whether or not you're going to use movable dough is really rough.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think also like there will be times where you are the most confident and then you could literally walk into their next rehearsal or the next class in grad school and be the least confident. And I think just the uncertainty of like, of just not knowing when to feel confident or when you're going to feel confident. I think also just freaking drives us crazy. The absolute whiplash of it all. Exactly, that's the perfect word. Yeah. So, I think that's a pretty pretty solid case as to why we're all drowning in imposter syndrome. But obviously, at Opera Off Stage, we want to give you some some opportunities to work on it so some ways to manage honestly the first thing that came to my mind was just like you do you baby (laughs) and what I mean by that is here's the thing so so rarely so rarely like 0.001% of the time are you actually a fraud it's all mental Right. Going back to the definition, it doesn't have to do with you being a high achiever. It doesn't have to do with you and your success. It has to do with how you process it. And I personally will have full blown just revelations that I don't suck at something that I have genuinely for no reason told myself I suck at. And so rarely are you the fraud. Ninety nine percent of the time you're not the fraud. And if you are the fraud, congratulations, because actually that's incredibly impressive to actually be a fraud and be doing anything in this field if you really think about it
0: you know who's really you know who's really the fraud who Pavarotti (laughs) (laughs) I now it's rumored and it's probably not entirely true but like the whole rumor that he couldn't really read music and so he was basically learning it by rote some of our most famous musicians are complete frauds let's just leave it at that But, like, to actually be a fraud, like, to be a
1: genuine fraud, to have not a single skill, accomplishment, like, time spent practiced under your belt, to genuinely be able to call yourself a fraud, it just just doesn't happen. That would be the most impressive thing, to be a complete fraud and be able to be doing anything in this field. So, if it's really going to be that hard to be a fraud, how could it possibly be you?
0: Well, hilariously, the a lot of music is professionally being a fraud. Believe it or not, most of us aren't princesses or queen or dying of typhoid. So (laughs) you're all professionally frauds anyway. (laughs) Nobody actually breaks out into song in real life. We're all just pretending. Yeah. So keep going. Yeah.
1: Everyone's experiencing imposter syndrome and is way too focused on themselves to even
0: notice what's going on with you, to be honest. No, absolutely. Time spent thinking about... Whether other people deserve to be in my field or not, zero. (laughs) Time spent thinking about whether I deserve to be in my field or not, 100%. Exactly. And like, if you're really, really just going through it, it is super helpful to sit down and just put basically a pro-con list, but really a list of the skills you think you're really good at and the list of skills you think you're really not good at. And just look at them. Take an honest assessment and sit down and ask your teachers and your friends who you trust and who are good to you what you they think like you're good and not so good at and take a real assessment uh, of where you're at and honestly chances are their list of what you're not good at or if you showed them your list or compared them there are probably a couple things that on your I'm not good at list that are not on theirs it is probably something that just exists in your mind and it's a really good check-in and a really good reality check absolutely
1: I think the other thing is for everyone who feels like imposter syndrome is holding you back from opportunities. I think you also have to remind yourself that having areas in your technique or your education, your skill sets, etc., just remembering that you know, having those areas that need improvement doesn't mean you're a fraud. It also doesn't mean that you can't or won't improve that with time. I think when we say, "Oh, I could never get into this program because I my technique isn't good enough." Or, "Oh, I don't have enough" experience playing with orchestras to do to get this chair yada yada whatever it may be it that just there's so much room and there's so much time to improve and take baby steps because nobody is born great at everything even the people who make it look like they have it all and they're great at everything we're all faking it till we make it yeah i think another thing is hopefully you know you have some trusted friends Um, or mentors or teachers that you can check in with if you're really just having a moment of imposter syndrome and just saying, I don't belong in this field. I don't know how I've even made it this far. I think checking in with those trusted people in your life and asking them, like, am I genuinely in over my head or am I just pretty much having these limiting beliefs that are just holding me back? And I think nine times out of 10, the people in your life are going to say it's just you getting in your own way.
0: And that's just kind of a part of it is you can't let your thoughts and emotions rule over you. And you can't let people outside of yourself determine who you are. When you feel anxious when you're about to sing or about to audition, it doesn't mean you're unprepared. When you feel unworthy of an opportunity you've gotten, it doesn't mean you actually didn't deserve it. Those emotions don't determine our realities. Because the reality is, is you got the role or the part or the job. And the reality is, is like you're up there singing and chances are you prepared a lot for it. And you can't let those feelings and thoughts take charge of reality. And you also have to decide some things for yourself. As an artist, there will be times when people tell you they don't like something and you do. And it's okay to have an artistic disagreement about how you do something. Just because someone older or even with more experience says something, it doesn't actually inherently mean it's true. So you have to start building that confidence in yourself in knowing that you've prepared, in knowing that you are worthy, and in knowing that you have the authority to make those decisions artistically and in your life.
1: Yeah. And if there are people in your life who are constantly undermining you and constantly saying, like, I can't believe you got that opportunity, should have been me, or I don't think you should send in an application for this because you're just not ready If you have somebody who's constantly undermining you, see less of them. They're not in your inner circle. Yeah. Even if it's a teacher. (laughs) If your teacher is truly holding
0: you back, no. Beware of the person who justifies their bad behavior by saying, well, I'm just being honest. There is a time for honesty, and it's definitely important, but there is also a time to just support your friends, and there is also a time to... There's also a thing called tact, and refusing to be tactful about things... And refusing to back off when people don't want your honesty is called being an asshole. (laughs) Simple as that. And those people are everywhere in music and in life. You know, they'll tell you they will try to undermine your progress at every corner and they will try to make sure you are as unhappy as they are. And really, I guess maybe part of my advice is don't take advice from unhappy people. Mm -hmm. Don't take advice from people whose lives you don't want. Yeah. So (laughs) and of course... Our constant recommendation and one that is supremely important, therapy. (laughs) Therapy is super great because it means that you have an outside person whose life is not entangled with yours, who can give you an honest opinion of what you are feeling and whether or not you're really attached to reality or not with your feelings or whether or not maybe your emotions are running you right now. And they will help ground you back into your value as a person, especially because whether or not you get a therapist who is involved in music uh, or who has experience with musicians, I think it's also important to, you know, in therapy, find that ground of and like the value in yourself outside of music, because that's kind of what allows us to be confident musicians is knowing that everything in our lives isn't wrapped up in this one thing. So whether you get a musical therapist or a non-musical therapist, I recommend to everyone at some point going through therapy and learning how to constructively think for lack of a better term.
1: Yeah. So we're gonna turn over to our audience. Our last poll that we threw up was just asking, what are some ways that you cope with imposter syndrome? And first of all, guys, I freaking love you because your answers are so, so good. I'm just gonna read a couple. Follow others' career to see where they've come from. That's great. Context is everything. Somebody else said, looking back and seeing I have been doing the thing and have a track record of not being a fraud. <laughs> Which I love that. What is your track record? I mean, I feel like, if anything, just knowing and looking back will tell you you're not a fraud. Um, one of my favorite ones that somebody wrote in was, pretend he's a little voice on my shoulder and literally flick my shoulder to make him fall off. <laughs> I love that. Which I will be stealing um, immediately. Somebody else wrote in and said, I journal and write down gratitude statements about my musical accomplishments. Ugh, this is so good because so much of the time when we're dealing with imposter syndrome, it's kind of like we have blinders on. And any sort of accomplishment, any sort of success that we've had in the past is just invisible to us in the moment that we're feeling it. And so I think keeping a a journal or just taking some time to like meditate and think about and like truly feel your success is huge.
0: Yeah. And I I think I'll throw in my own advice on that one to all my hyper achievers and all of this. There is no success or level of this career that you will reach that will appease that little monster inside of you that tells you you don't deserve it. That is something that is only repaired by working on yourself and allowing yourself to feel the joy and the happiness of accomplishing something and of believing that you are good and that you
1: deserve good things. Absolutely. Somebody else wrote in, reminding myself that it's about what you have to share, not what you have to prove. Ooh, that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Another person agreed, saying having a strong support of support system of friends and music. And then we also got a, some just like beautifully realistic ones. Um that said, <laughs> yeah, do I cope? Not in a healthy way most times. That's for certain LOL. <laughs> <laughs> but I give myself a I give myself self-affirmations after putting myself in a, a neutral mental state. And somebody else said, um I cope by crying about how scared I am and then doing the thing anyway, which is just like absolutely <laughs>
0: Yeah. Give yourself a good cry and then do it anyway. I think that's a good note to end on. I
1: will say, like, that is something that I have learned as I have matured. I feel like there is such horrible stigma and it is still something that I struggle with. But, like, allowing yourself to cry when you need to or want to or just feel like it is genuinely one of the most freeing things in the entire world. And we are always told, like, oh... Or at least I have always felt like, oh, crying is bad. Like crying means I'm weak or like crying means that whatever is going on in my life or like whatever emotion that I'm feeling too much is like overpowering me and I don't have control anymore. But now I'm like, wow, crying feels like the best thing in the world sometimes when
0: you really need it. I truly feel like if any other major knew how often people cry in the music building, they'd be astonished. But that's what's called upon us is like we're... We're out here trying to be immensely emotionally vulnerable. And sometimes that opens up boxes and you just got to deal with it. But there is nothing childish or immature about crying, especially in intense situations. Yeah, absolutely. So you do you. Cry it out. Give
1: yourself those affirmations. Remind yourself that it's not about what you have to share. Wait, just kidding. It's about (laughs) what you have to share, not what you have to prove. Remind yourself that it's about what you have to share, not what you have to prove. And just, guys, if anything, take a moment to accept and relish in your success. I think it's a great way to remind yourself that you're not a fraud. You're not an imposter. You have so many amazing things that you've already accomplished. So why hold yourself back from future success?
0: Why get in your own way? If if you want to um you know because i know not everyone likes to publicly celebrate themselves so if you have something that you are proud of or that you are excited about um message it to us either on discord or instagram so we can celebrate you yes i'm all about the celebration um, because you deserve to be celebrated so you can hit us up at, at opera off stage on instagram and in that bio you can get to our discord where there are a lot of people so if you'd like to publicly celebrate feel free to post it in the Discord. Um. Uh, outside of that, you can find us on opera offstage.com or on Twitter, which is also at opera offstage. And other than that, we will see you next week for an intense discussion of Russia and music. Woo! Bye! Bye! Bye.